We never talked about Dan Didio. How did that happen? Is that how you say his name? I think so. It doesn't matter anymore. No. He's stepped down as co-publisher of DC Comics. Now, he's a writer. He's an editor. Um, as co-publisher, he, you know, I mean, usually I think you would think, I would think of that as like a creative role, like editor. Yeah. But no, he's like, you know, the chief creative force along with like Jeff Johns, who also stepped down from his uh, creative I think he was the chief creative officer. Ah, okay. It's weird when you have a corporate structure with something that produces art, you know? Yeah. Like, who does what? Mm -hmm. Uh, But Jim Lee, he and Jim Lee were co-publishers. Yes. And were in charge for a while, basically through from New 52 till now. So Mm -hmm. 10, 15 years. And he left. And nobody knows why. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't said anything, Mm -hmm. which is not weird because that's, I can imagine the NDAs or all sorts of things, unless it's like an impending lawsuit or something, something that he needs to contend. Yeah. So nobody knows. And then Jim Lee just the other day said they're not replacing him. Jim Lee will just be the publisher of of DC Comics. Okay. All right. I guess. Uh, Yeah. Jim. Maybe. uh, Jimmy boy. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out when we go to Emerald City Comic Con. Well, people Jim will be talking Lee, about it. Jim Lee will be there. People will be. Well, of course he will. Yeah. Dan Didio might be there. Well, he <laughs> oh, you sit it out. <laughs> now he's. I don't know. Uh, I we've we've had worse, right? Sure. There there must be worse. I feel like a lot of people that he's been a controversial fig- figure. Not everybody loves him. Mm, I didn't really like him all that much. No. But. I feel like people like that get things done. Everybody hated Jim Shooter, and I feel like Jim Shooter got a lot of things done. Mm-hmm. He also held a lot of people back, um, and things didn't get done. Um, I don't. Th- has there ever been Joe Casada is probably probably the most successful guy I can think of in that he became. I think he was like president. I'm not sure. It's but again, I don't know this structure. But he was in charge of the publishing wing. In the early aughts, and then mm-hmm. we saw the Marvel comics go from just coming out of bankruptcy to being the dominant creative force right. in humanity mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So that would call we that would be success. Now I don't know if he had any hand in that yeah. or just presided over it, but uh-huh. either way, good job. Yeah, I think he recently just stepped down from that role too, okay. but I'm sure he's still, you know, executive producer. Sure. Or yeah, nobody knows. There's a rumor that Marvel was going to buy DC Publishing. Whoa. And Jim Lee did not shoot that down, but he dismissed it. Okay. It doesn't say yes or no. No. As far as I'm concerned. Exactly. Okay. What is going on over there? I do not know. Um, I would be really surprised if uh, Marvel and DC were under the same umbrella, and I think that would be kind of weird. But um, I guess it's not unspeakable, necessarily. Um, well, you just did. Yeah, I know. You spoke it. <laughs> I just think it's weird. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it could happen. I, I don't know. Um, so nobody knows why. Um, I think it might be health. Really? Well, don't you think? Well, how old is he? I don't even He's know. He's 60. Okay. So, I mean... Oh, please. Necessarily. Come on, please. I'm not far from work. You better not be health. Um, so hopefully everything is okay. Yeah. Um, and he uh, stepped down because of his horrible, horrible 
creative decisions for the line <laughs> and not because of any um, health or, or tragedy. Yeah. So, but we're uh, we're thinking of that big bald doofus. <laughs> He's on my mind. You can you can disagree with somebody. You can have complicated feelings and still care about them. Sure. And I wouldn't want anything bad to happen. Yes. No, so, I wouldn't either. Yeah. Hopefully things are okay, but he is out at DC. Yes. But we're in. Yeah. We're in the no, and we're bringing it to you. <laughs> this is, we, we know how to yes and. <laughs> I, I know that like I can be, at least for you, somebody who is difficult to um, join. I just don't know. In always, the Double Dutch yeah, game of yeah, broadcasting, okay. wow. there are two little black girls on either side. In what, what's the look for? Uh, Wait, have you ever seen a white kid double Dutch? Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Look, there are two racially indistinct little girls <laughs> on either side who definitely have pigtails. And then remember the solid color balls? Yes. You know, that, that, with the, the bolo balls that would yes. hold the pigtails in? Yeah. And they're going, and you're like, Oh, let me get in there. Yeah. And then you jump out. It's like, all right, great. Was, hey, Aaron, come on in. All right, ready? No, no. Up, up, up. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. a blur. And then I jump in. And you're like, huh, huh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> Leaning forward. Back, back, forward. Okay, here we go. All right. <laughs> this is where I'm going to jump in. No. Yeah. No. Okay. But just jump in. Worst thing's going to happen is... You're going to get a jump rope wrapped around your neck and some racially indistinct kids are going to laugh at you. <laughs> Great. Great. Thank you That's our that. motto <laughs> on the Just Enough Trope podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Caliban, joined as always by my co-host. Hi, I'm Yukon Hana. We're here to bring you all the news that's fit to cast in Nerdy Entertainment. And um, here's some news. Okay. We're going to Emerald City Comic Con. That's right. Um, we have not been talking about this. No. And we really should have been because it'll be um, kicking the desk. It'll be two weeks Essentially, yeah. two shows until you hear from us, and we're going to do what we always do, which is uh, give you a little bit from every day of the show. Mm-hmm. We're we'll talking to creators, artists, actors, activists, personalities from the floor of the show, and then giving you little bits, little reports uh, every day from the floor of the show. Mm-hmm. Then when we get back, um, usually the week after, uh, we have a big... Show now you've seen this before. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since we've done this. Yes, 2016. I think so. Taking a break. Yeah, from Emerald City. Um, and at a, I don't know. I just felt right. Yeah, we've done it like three, four years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, but right at the time when big changes were happening, and yes. so I'm not sure. This is like oh, you've gotten so big. Uh, we could come back to a show that could look uh, a lot different. Especially if everybody's dead from coronavirus. Oh, I hope that's not going to be the case at all. We'll Um, see. I had my eye on the uh, Emerald City account and on Facebook, and there was a thing um, just today or or yesterday that was like, talking about still on. Yep. We're going to hose everything down with napalm and, and, you know, do our best. Yeah. But here's what you can't control. What? Some weirdo in a Thanos costume is going to sneeze all over me and then... That's the end of the Just Enough Trope podcast. Oh, I really hope Who's going to bring you the news that's fit to, to sneeze in the world of Nerdy Entertainment? Oh, come on. Um, I am going to buy some hand sanitizer. You're going to bug it a buy? I'm going to bug it a buy some hand sanitizer, <laughs> and I freaking hate hand sanitizer. I think it's bad because I think germs mutate, and you're... you're they don't kinda... if they're dead. Well, yeah, okay. But I, dead I feel... germs don't mutate. There's a t-shirt. Yeah, okay. I feel like I need to buy it in order to you know, not get the virus. And 
I'm not. You know what else? I'm like. You know what you need to do what? from the guy who like clockwork gets sick once a year in like January, February. Did it this year too. Still getting over it. Uh, just don't like lick things. <laughs> don't don't rub your eye. Don't touch things and rub your eyes. Just think about not touching I know, your face. I know that's for the whole like weekend. The hard thing. Yeah. Um, and then like, do we shake hands? Do we not? Shake no, hands? nobody shakes hands this year. Okay, because right? that's gonna be kind of weird. Yeah. You just say, hey, just we're just being cool. We're not shaking Elbow hands. Bump. We'll, we'll bow. <coughs> Whoa, Whoa, there's a sneeze. It's starting. Oh, my gosh. We'll, like, do a little bow to each other or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of, like, other ways you can, like, nice to meet you. Butt rub. Oh, boy. Just turn around. Okay. Rub your butts together. As they did in Victorian England. And that's what we're talking about today. Wow. I still Bring got it. Back. it. Yeah. We uh, I think we've uh, sort of telegraphed this, but we have been watching um, some corset films, as I like to call them, yes. and wanting to explore some of the tropes of those films. And the way that we wanted to explore it was not to just get out, you know, the Joe Cornish. Uh, no, not Joe Cornish. Joe Wright. Joe Cornish is Attack the Block. Joe Wright is Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Or to get out the Paltrow Emma. Uh, we wanted to like, you know, there, this this is like... In, in in the same way that like bank heist movies are basically a genre, mm. this is its own universe of genres. Oh, sure. At this point, there are a yeah. lot of these, but we wanted to like push the boundaries of that to celebrate the release of Emma, mm-hmm. which was released um, in limited theaters this weekend for release next weekend. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it. We want to talk about that, but we wanted to explore the ins and outs of that genre and where people have taken it yeah. uh, by looking at Emma, which is traditional, but I would consider it since it's 2020, you know, and you can't, it's like the, we should have watched um, Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Oh, yeah. Although that's not really corset necessarily. Not but, necessarily. But the way that she tried to bring a modern spin on it, you know, we're looking at <clears throat> a, a neo-textual uh, lens at yes. Emma. Um, which we'll talk about the creators when we get there. Uh, we wanted to move into genre, mm-hmm. um, specific subgenre, by yeah. looking at Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Yes. From a little while ago, the mm-hmm. movie. And then also checking out an old classic. <laughs> an old classic. <laughs> it's a brand new film. Yeah. Uh, called Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which yes. has been making waves. Ooh. We'll get there. We'll get mm-hmm. to it. Uh, in the communities. Um we could talk about that. Well, we'll talk about it when we get there. We got yeah. a news story for that. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I can't wait to start screaming about that. <laughs> and I'm going to savor it, and we'll get there after the news. Do you like cool hip-hop lo-fi beats to study to? Oh, sure. <laughs> for a little time, a short while, Chilled Cow, the creator of the lo-fi hip-hop Beats to study to. Okay. Uh, had a takedown notice, Ooh. which suspended that account. Okay. As it does, and so that live stream ended. Oh. Um, almost immediately, that was. Po- now I don't really know anything about how where the music comes from or or Chilled Cow or yeah right, but I don't know if he, Chilled Cow creates the music. I don't right. know, but for some reason, nobody had ever like tried to strike this copyright, but he got one. Channel shut down, immediately rectified it, back on the air. But okay. it was a live stream, which meant it had been going on for a long time. Jeez. So he had to, and I'm just assuming it's a he, 
I shouldn't. They had to start a new one. Mm. So they did. Worry, worry not. Lo-fi, chill, hip-hop, study beats to, to get up to uh, is back on the air. Yeah. But the old one is now done. It is sort of uh, calcified as a video. Uh-huh. It'd be like when we go live on Spreaker, it doesn't know how long it's going to be. But when we're done, then it sort of takes it all, wraps it up, and then publishes it. And it's way right. too long. Three hours long. Way too long. <laughs> well, speaking of way too long... It YouTube spit out a video, which is unplayable because it goes beyond the length of a YouTube video. But the, oh. the final tally was uh, 13,000 hours, 13,165 hours. Do we know how many days that translates into besides a lot? Do the math. Okay. All right. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. Um, that's a really long time. That is seriously commendable, I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so the new video is also live stream. I'm guessing. Yes, it's Kay. essentially the same same picture from uh, Whispers of the Heart or whatever the Ghibli film that the picture's from. Yeah. Um, I don't. You didn't react to that. I I don't think Whisper it's, of the Heart. Whisper I, of the Heart. I, is it Whisper of the Heart? It is Whisper of the Heart. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I I thought it was uh. Not a Ghibli film, but in that style. Oh, well, but um, I could be wrong. Talk to Polygon.com. Um, the point is, is that uh, I'm, this I'm is something wrong. that uh, it's too late to look it up now, right? I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> no, not when you spent that much time on it. Mm. You spent all that time vamping, and you could have just been looking it up while I was, I was talking about something else, and then just cut in and say, "You're wrong, Jacques." <laughs> uh, this has been a problem for a couple different channels like this. And when I say problem, I mean. This has been a, a justice has served on a criminal. We don't really know. Whoa. There is no law about this. Okay. You know what I mean? If sure. they took, if they took um, a particular chill lo-fi hip-hop beat like Drake's Scorpion and just started like playing it and then charging ads on it, mm-hmm. they expose themselves and YouTube to like trouble. But that's what happens on YouTube every single day. Mm. And nobody makes a big deal out of it because... Mm. Drake Vivo is probably has the best version of that song anyway. Right. And so everybody listens to music for free now on the internet. Yes. Right. But for some reason, somebody thought somebody had a problem with Chilled Cow. Huh. Which is weird. I because wonder why. He's pretty laid back. <laughs> Chilled Cow would be like, he's, he's halfway down ice cream. He's, he's Chilled Cow. Is, is, I'm sure Kemp's system. Remember Kemp's? Kemp's, somebody at Kemp's or the ad agency's like, you got to put the cows front and center. Yeah, I People know. think ice cream, they think cows. Yeah. So it's like all these cows are like, hey, what's going on? Take, take the, take the uh, mucus-like substance expressed from my body, add strawberries to it, and yeah. you got a treat. I feel like there were talking cows for like milk and like cheese ads too that weren't Kemp's. Well, there's the ch- cows who um, admonish you to eat more chicken. For, for Chick Fil A, uh, Chick Fil A, yes. or is that Chick? Yeah, that's yes, Chick Fil A. Um, but I think like there was ones that like were like the best cheese comes from Wisconsin or something like that. There was there's some advertisement along those lines. And, like, would a cow eat cheese? Best cows, huh? Would a cow eat cheese? I don't. Or would it turn? Its I nose think it up? would be weird, right? That's weird, isn't it? I don't know if cows care. Uh, That's what I'm asking. I, I, I don't. I don't. Know. Jump in. It's a double dutch. Yeah. Um. It's like I, quadruple I think, dutch. I think no. I think they're they're mostly plants. They eat plants. I That's think it. a cow. Well, no, they feed cows feed that isn't just 
plants, it's got all kinds of stuff in it. And sometimes they feed okay. protein to animals that wouldn't normally eat protein okay. in those quantities to right. bulk them up. Oh, That's okay. how you get sure. like, yeah, I'll take uh, two of the spices and then uh, one of the regular breasts and you get the chicken and it's like a five pound breast of chicken. I mean, right. you wouldn't have that in... <laughs> the old timey days right. when David Crockett was like uh, cooking up chicken at the Alamo. This is like a little little chicken. Yeah, right. Uh, and then you kind of wonder what. Are There's these no. We have no on? chance of staying on track this week, do we? <laughs> well, you know who's off track? Who? Love Victor. Oh, I know. I know. Love Simon, the yes. popular. And look, let's face it, it was popular, and it's like eighty something on Rotten Tomatoes. So mm-hmm. this movie was a success. Yes. <laughs> Creatively. Yes. Maybe not financially. Uh, it's based on a book by Becky Albertalli, friend your of the bestest show. friend in the world. Yes, and so that's why we report positively on it. Mm-hmm. It was okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's being developed into a series. It has been. It is yes. going to be a series. It is right now a series by mm-hmm. Disney, mm-hmm. which I don't know how that works. Was that the original um, distributor? I. Th- Berlanti Productions. It is uh, Fox Searchlight or oh, something that's, like that. Of course, of course. Yeah. It's so hard to get used to that new reality. I, I now. know. I know. I can't it's believe weird. Trump is president. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe wow. Disney owns Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, they developed this show. It's a spin off series. So, f- as far as I know, although maybe some of those actors are looking for jobs, uh, it's not really going to feature um, the people no. from the movie. From what I understand, um, and I'm not 100% sure about this. Uh, so it's going to focus on a different character, which is why it's called Love Victor now. They changed the name. Right. Um, but he is kind of like a pen pal with like Simon or something like that. I think that that is kind of what I've heard and that the actor who played Simon in the movie might do some like voiceover work for the fil- for the show. I don't know if that is 100% accurate or not. Why but, not? Um, I, I, I read an article about it and Why I can't remember. Why are you remember. reading articles? <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you reading texts? Um, yeah, well. I know things about stuff that I can't tell anybody. Yeah, I because know. Because of my writer friends. Yeah, I know. And, um, <sighs> I think, I think that's true. Um, but, um, so yeah, but, uh, the, I, I, I know, I know the story that you're. Uh, Land referencing it. Land it. Um, because it was supposed to be on Disney Plus, but they are now moving it to Hulu because they are a f- were concerned that some of the content was more adult. Oh, you mean gay? I don't know if that's what it is that's or what not. It is. That's what I'm kind of upset about. Right. Because... I, you know, like you guys were were developing this. You knew what it was. You were developing it for Disney Plus, and you know, if 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 it's if it's too adult, like I want to know if the story was about um, a a kid who fell in love who happened to be heterosexual, would it be too adult or not? Well, well, that's what I want to know. Like, and, what and, is the content? And the 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 argument or or whatever the the the, the objection is that. Yeah, Hulu is a big platform. It's no nothing to shake a stick at. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, but it's not Disney Plus. Disney Plus is the more prestige sort of platform. That's true. That's the argument, right? Because um, this is a downgrade. This is the yeah. same downgrade that Hillary Duff is struggling with in that they want to move her show to... Uh, no, her show is on Disney Plus? And she wants it moved? Let's not be bad hosts. Yeah. Let's just say that Lizzie McGuire's reboot might not happen. 
Um, yes. Anyway. Uh, and so, yeah. So people are like, well, what the hell? Why is it being moved to Hulu? Right. Um, and I don't disagree with that. You don't? No, I think that. I don't know. I, I can't think of. I guess I don't have I don't have Disney Plus, so I don't know really what's on there. I'm sure that there are some R-rated movies on there, but I think I think they try to keep it PG. From well, then if I they keep it PG, or, then I don't or, want Love Victor on there. Or maybe PG-13? I want Love Victor. I, don't I complain know. about this all the time that like kids' entertainment is getting really complicated, but kids have to deal with these issues. So even though I don't want to watch um, teenagers bang, uh, <laughs> maybe teenagers want to watch teenagers bang. Right and. This, you know, like a 13 reasons why, or something ugh, like that. but not that though, because that show is not only Excrable? creatively bad, yeah, but yeah, great. I gotta find a new word that means bad because you've <laughs> taken that one now. Uh, it is uh, reprehensible. There you go. Um, there you go. But Love Victor, I think, has a chance to be something really great. And if they yes. want to use an F word or two, I think they should be able to. Yeah, I, I see. If what people you're are getting saying. paid less or something uh-huh. because of this, uh-huh. like, that's bad news. But yes. I think Hulu's probably a better fit. Of course, I don't know. Now I got to get Hulu. So I guess I'm a little upset right. about that. Right. And the good news is they're already working on a season two. So this will be around for at least two seasons. Yeah. All any TV show really needs to tell a story. Yes. Well, speaking of TV shows that I don't watch, Doctor Who might be in trouble. Uh oh. Um, why is it in trouble? I get so used to hating things. Yeah. That it becomes easy for me to pile on rhetorically about something. Okay, sure. Um, And I uh... I don't want to do that with this. Okay. Here's what I want to say. Go for it. I have not enjoyed the adventures of the 12th Doctor so far and the the 11th season. Oh, yeah, the 13th 13th Doctor. Yeah. Um, the 11th season or? I, it were something like that. I'm, yeah, I'm not, matter. I've lost. Track. I have not enjoyed it. I don't think that Chris Chibnall has a strong vision for the show. And I think the writing, did they get a brain drain? No, they tried to add a, a new voices, which I think is good. But, you know, if Stephen Moffat writes seven scripts, yeah, it's a white guy writing them, but they're going to be pretty peppy, right? Yeah. So um, I don't, it's a growth year. But yeah. it's it's turning into two growth years because yes. this there's been a lot of trouble with this next this uh, second season of the Thirteenth um, Doctor. Yeah, um, a lot of people, disingenuous or not, are um, have been vocal about uh, it not being very good, mm-hmm. and not having a lot of direction, mm-hmm. and I think it's very telling in the same way that Liz Warren was promised to never take any super PAC money and then right. she's running out of money and then she takes super PAC money. I know. Uh, Chris Chimble is like, we're not taking any, there's all new stuff, new ideas. We're not taking anything from the old thing. It's like, oh, hi, Captain Jack. Oh, look. It's, oh, it's the master. He wants to bring, yeah, he, the master. He wants to bring Rory back. He wants to bring Amy Pond back. Yeah. And uh, River Song. And it's like, okay, well, there you go. Um, Yeah, I think those actors have kind of moved on to do other things too. Um, I don't, I don't know. I... I, mm, I, 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 we watched all of, of the first season of the 13th Doctor and I, I found it hard. Remember when it just ended? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, it's over. Yeah. I found it hard to find like a really strong through line for the season, which I feel like a lot of the through the line was Graham's wife died and then. I know, but it was <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And then like. 
Um, I'm fine with the fact that they have multiple companions, but I don't. And I think I've said this before on the show. You have many, many, many times. I don't think that they've developed them enough. So, um, and if you're going to bring the master back, make it new and different. And uh, I mean. She's just getting it all out right now. Well. Remember when I started this by saying. I, it's easy for me to rhetorically pile on. Yes, And then I you know. just, here are my 18 reasons I know. why I don't like it. I know. And I haven't really seen much of the season, so I can't really say much as as far as that goes. Right. But I just wanted to say, three years ago, I said Chris Chibnall wasn't up to the job, and here we are. I know. And I just, everything to me is like, you know, watching a slow motion car accident happen or, mm-hmm. or, or that drug commercial where the girl and her friend are walking and the girl's on the train track and she's like I don't know it's her life I don't know if I should help her and oh my the train runs her over right you see that one I don't know if I have well, I'm going to put it in right here oh my gosh my friend Nancy's been doing a lot of drugs I know it's catching up with her I can see it coming what can I do if I like say anything she'll think I'm not cool and I don't want to lose a friend. I mean, it's her life. Right? If you have a friend who's in trouble with drugs, don't just stand there. Do something. Anyway, I mean, I don't have any power, but everything is just like, cl- this is clearly a bad idea. Nope, face tattoo it is. Face <laughs> tattoo for me. You don't want this. And that's where we are. Uh, speaking of a better Chris. Uh-oh. Right? He hasn't done anything bad yet, right? I don't know. Uh, Chris Evans. <laughs> no, not as far as I know. Might play uh, the dentist in the Little Shop of Horrors remake. That's in the I world. saw something about that. Um, and it's Greg Berlanti. Of, Speaking of Greg of Berlanti. Of course it is. Greg Berlanti is everywhere. Um, he really is. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it either, Does honestly. he have a significant other? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Because um, Does he I spend feel like you any time at Yeah, you never get to... You never see each other. No. Um. Yeah. Um. Cool. Uh, cool. <laughs> I mean, Steve Martin was fantastic in that role. Uh, it's a fun role. As was something, something, the original one. <laughs> who was the dentist in the Corman one? I don't. Jack remember. Nicholson was the patient, but I don't remember who the dentist was. Yeah, I don't remember. Jim Neighbors. Well, golly. <laughs> Get that tooth out. I mean, I guess it's been a while since they did a little shop of horrors, so why not? Ooh, every um, 24 years, there's an Emma, so <laughs> we'll get there, maybe. Uh, let's talk about Allison Brie. There is a rumor that she's in the running for She-Hulk. Not... Which, I, 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 this, isn't, this is one of those bad rumors, because it's not connected to anything. There's another rumor. Let's just talk about all the rumors. Marvel uh, rumors. Marvel rumors. There's another rumor that Henry Cavill is being looked at or has been cast to play Wolverine. I freaking hate we that know. rumor with every to, fiber of my being. Right, to appear <laughs> to appear in uh, Captain Marvel 2. That's like when they'd introduce him. Yes. Um... I like Alison Brie. I, I'm not sure that I really like the idea of her playing She-Hulk. So I've, I'm, like many, have, uh, I've got Alison Brie-itis. Oh, sounds bad. Brie syndrome. Uh, overexposure. I'm kind of sick of her, right? Fair. I think she's very talented. Yeah. But, you know, we got it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but I was thinking about it and, like, my 
ultimate dream plan for She-Hulk, which would be to get two different people to play Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk. I don't disagree uh, with I'll you. Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. But then I started to think about it and it's like, I think she could do it. She's really? good enough. So here's what I'm sick of with her. She's either like a goofy girl with problems. <laughs> yes. Actually, that's all she is. She's only ever a goofy girl yes. with problems. And then depending on the knob that goes comedy tragedy, we just turn no, that's true. the darkness of the performance. Like I haven't seen horse porn or whatever. Horse the new, girl. Uh, <laughs> whatever the new thing is. But I get the feeling that that's like more sad. This is a sad. Yeah. But she's still like a goofy girl with problems. Yes. And but Goofy Girl with Problems would be perfect. And she could do like the um more reserved uh kind of character for Jennifer Walters. And then she could just be like smacking asses, you know, as She-Hulk. She could just be running around, blown through walls and right. I think it's a really work. You would okay. and I think that this is what they're gonna do. They'll never do two different people because they're too in love with their CGIs and their like she won't even have to put makeup on at this point. Like they'll just probably not. Make I her mean green. Well, she'll have to wear like the mocap and stuff like that. Like, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll just avatar this thing. Yeah, sure. So, anyway, just a rumor. It's okay. just a rumor, but I okay. think it's about time to get Allison Brie in the Marvel Universe, right? It might be past time. Yeah, maybe past time. She's on time. Netflix now. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, it would be a TV show on Disney Plus, so we're still talking TV. I so, suppose. Yeah. I suppose. Uh, yeah, she's a TV star. Uh, and the guy that would make that decision, or at least help, is not going to anymore. Bob Iger has stepped down right. as the CEO of Disney. Yes, I heard about that. Effective immediately, which doesn't sound good. Again, uh, as far as I saw, no... No stated reason. No. Except just spend more time with my family. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Right. And he is being replaced by Bob Chapek, who is the chairman of Disney Parks. Now, okay. Bob Iger, I don't think he ever made, he never wrote a script or anything. No. But uh, the guy from the parks? That seems like an odd choice, doesn't it? Yeah. Is is this succession? Is it one of the characters... <laughs> In charge of like the theme parks or something? They own... Oh, I think they have theme parks, yeah. Well, they have theme parks. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> That's weird. That's so, it's so, It seems like a weird decision. I don't know what this means. I feel like at the executive level, sure, there are decisions that are made, but I think it's more you know, questions of investment or questions of mergers or acquisitions, whereas somebody like Kevin Feige is making... The day-to-day the creative overall creative decision. decisions, right? Yeah. So as long as he just goes, well, we've got, there's a lot of things that happen at Disney, um, but I know that Kevin can, you, you just keep this running. Right. As long as the, the, the numbers get bigger. And, the, and they, they are so far. And yeah. So far, they are. Yeah. So we'll see. But okay. nobody uh, nobody knows what's going on. Another, another Bob. Yep. Okay. Uh, the, the real repercussions that I saw from this was that... Bob Iger oversaw the launch of uh, Disney into the streaming space. Right. Right. Yes. Like the discover the Dis- uh, Disney Plus experiment is not over yet. Oh and, no, that just started. And he's kind of leaving midstream here. So it's you know, a little will the strange. Company the timing. Continue yeah. to commit this much to it, or mm-hmm. will it turn? Will Disney Plus just turn into a proprietary version of Disney shows on Netflix? Which just kind of went and then petered out and died. Yeah, uh, hopefully not. We'll see what happens. Yes, we will. We won't see Steven Spielberg direct Indiana Jones 5. I know. Do you, do you care about this? I don't care um, about this. Not 
largely, but a, a you don't lot have of, to pretend to care. A lot of fans do. A lot no, of I don't fans think so. Uh, James Mangold is in talks. Uh, so the guy that did Logan. So are we going to get a Loganing of Indiana Jones? Ooh, I don't. Do we want that? It's always kind of silly, right? Uh, he th- he threw he threw the whip when he threw him the idol, and uh, just <laughs> put like a put his hat on a, on the cross. And, wow! Sorry, spoilers from the end of Logan. Wow. Um. Okay. Remember that kung fu talk from last week? Uh. We I, have. I don't know if I do kung fu on the CW. Oh. And us saying like, look, I'm not saying I like white appropriation of Asian culture, but why make a Kung Fu? Right, <laughs> I don't right, think right, there's any right. way to redeem Kung Fu. Right. Well, we're going to give it a shot okay. by casting Olivia Liang as the main character of the new Kung Fu show. Okay. And I will tell you what she's been yes, on. Yes, what has she been on? Legacies, One Day at a Time, Grey's Anatomy. I don't know who this is. I don't She either. was in The Vampire Diaries. Okay. So. She's been in a lot of stuff. I just don't know who she is. Actress who I have not uh, run into. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Well, it sounds like um it they're not doing appropriation, and <laughs> instead of a guy, it's a lady. So, hey, I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. But um, maybe why why call it kung fu? Why not just call it something else? Maybe. But you know, the conservatives hate us for stuff like this, and mm. sometimes I I see their point. Okay. You know? Is now one of those times? Well, if you wanted to, say, take a property that has always been a man, for instance, mm-hmm. or is aimed toward men and diversify it because you have a story to tell, fine. But if you are just trying to, well, we're creatively bankrupt. What do you got? Well, being Me Too is hot right now or whatever. Uh, let's take uh, this white guy uh, doing kung fu and now it's a, a Asian woman doing kung fu. Got it. I mean, See what I mean? Yeah. That is that you have continued to be creatively bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Let's take Queen Latifah and we'll put her in a reboot of The Equalizer on CBS. So she's the Equalizer. Wait, what is the? Do I know what the Equalizer? The is? Equalizer was an old white British man in the eighties who, if you needed help, maybe you could hire the. That's the A team. It's the A team. It's a one man A team. Oh, and he okay. goes and he like solves problems. And you could look up his his ad in the paper or whatever. Okay. Uh, then they did a two reboot films with Denzel Washington where he's uh, okay he's the, <laughs> on the Equalizer. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it's you know that's right. And so they were semi somewhat successful. And now they're going to do an Equalizer TV show again, which doesn't that doesn't seem like a bad idea. Coming back to CBS, mm-hmm. Qu- Queen Latifah is going to use her skills. As the equalizer to uh, for for singing or like how is no how she's is she... a she's a Delta Force badass uh, okay never seen that from Queen Latifah before but sure has she ever been in an action movie or anything I don't know that it doesn't, she it doesn't, has. it's a TV show so right, right, it's right. all stunt doubles and who cares but I'm just saying like that it's such an old idea we already just remade it like it, there's nothing else we could do here you go Miami Vice uh huh. They're still in Miami. Right. And they're still running whores up in there, right? Right. So what if you had two female vice cops who exist in the universe of Crockett and Tubbs? Sure. And they're trying to get get these girls out of there. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's, okay, that's not entirely original, but it's a new spin on it, which Michael Mann, 
the, the most macho creator director in the world. Right. What if we t- took another look at it? This mm-hmm. is literally just that's a thing. And then what was it? White man, black woman. I yeah. That's um, not you're not putting creativity into it. No, they're not. Um. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. Right. Maybe it'll surprise. Forget all this. I want to talk about corsets. So let's just do the rest of the news as a new segment called News Free Association. Okay. Free Radio Free Association. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I'll read a headline and you give me the first thing. The first thing that comes into your head. Okay. The first thing. Okay. So here, let's uh, let's do an example here. Um, Artie chokes three for a dollar. Uh, delicious. Okay, all right. Well, that's what we're going to do. We're, we're going with this. Uh, the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die, will come in at 163 minutes. Too long. Okay, all right. Great. Uh, Stranger Things' is Finn Wolfhard is going to star in another fantasy sci-fi thing called Rules for Werewolves. Uh, typecasting. Why the Last Man has found a new series lead in actor Ben Schetzner. No clue who that is. Me either. Uh, what about this? Portrait of a Lady on Fire star Adele Hanel walks out of award show after Roman Polanski win. Woo! Yay! Yes! Uh, Harrison Ford's Call of the Wild to lose $500 million at the box office. No surprise. James Gunn announces completion of Hard Hard the Suicide Squad shoot. Uh, cool. Cool. Great. All right. <laughs> That one's not great. All right. All right. He was, uh, you know, he's relaunching the Suicide Squad. Um, yes. It's going to be, as yeah, far as we know. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think that they're going to completely ignore the first one, but they're not looking to really, to let us know where Mr. Echo, the croc man is. Or like, We're not really shot. worried about that. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it was pretty tough for him because his dad had died, I think, just before production oh. started. And I didn't know that. And Dr. Mr. Spears died, like. Two weeks before it ended. His Who, dog. His dog. Oh, no. Yes. So um, rough, rough time for, for James Gunn. Um, okay. Um, sad. How about that? Uh, is that a better word association? <laughs> Are you more comfortable just doing it all in single words? <laughs> Maybe we could no. do it that way if that's no, what. No, but we could do a lightning round. Like, like you know, I, I, I don't think I'm more comfortable just doing it single words but said <laughs> dr wow. von spears he briefly shut down production after dr von spears died sad is yeah he always talked about that dog that dog was in guardians of the galaxy and uh, yeah okay but you know was he like he's like in the beginning having a career again that ain't bad either yeah <laughs> Wow. He's going to do this little flirtation, and then it's like, honey, I, I know you want to get back together, but I promised uh, Bambi that I would take her out uh, to uh, the Seychelles, and yeah, we'll but... come back, and then you and I can get right back together. We're making that Guardians 3. Yeah, I know, but I mean, he might get a dog again, right? I mean... <sighs> No, I'm talking about him working for Marvel. Oh, for working for Marvel. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that um felt conflicted when he was fired from Marvel and pretty excited that he's gonna be back for Guardians 3. So um yeah. Um we'll see how his suicide squad turns out. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Is that that a good way to describe it? Sad. <laughs> 
It is a well-known fact that a man who uh, has no talent as an author but really wants to write screenplays uh, will write a book that is basically a spec script. Um, yes. And then guess what, baby? You get to write on the It movie. <laughs> this whole segment won't be about Seth Graham Smith, but I wanted to just say that um, anything you don't like about this whole process, you can blame on him. It's his fault. Well, it's his baby. Uh, and uh, he zombified it. And uh, is you he know. solely responsible for the? I mean, I, genre mashup has existed before he was born. But sure. Is he responsible for the craze in two thousand seven or whatever of uh, mashing up Victorian literature with monsters? I think so. And you got your Abraham Lincoln v- v- vampire, vampire hunter. hunter. Yeah. You got your Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters, which is because just it starts with an S. Silly. Yeah, I know. Zombies don't start with and a P. And you've... <laughs> Pride and Prejudice and uh, Prodigious Undead. Yeah, there you go. Doesn't... More thought than he put into it. Yeah. Um, I In 25 words, mm. what happens in this? And I swear to God, I'll cut you off after 25. Uh, basically, the characters of Jane Austen's book uh, do martial arts and fight zombies. Okay, 15 words, but all right. Um, 10 uh, uh And, I, and uh, racism, 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 classism, racism. <laughs> there, we got it. <laughs> Oof, we got it. Yeah. Uh, this movie steers right into all the bad parts. You're literally taking... A, and I know zombies have, you know, in some form or other been around in many cultures for a long time. But we're talking about like George Romero zombies, mm-hmm. which have only been around since 1964 or whatever it is. So it's already a modern idea. Yes. So why not update it? You, you, are, you receive no points for historical accuracy of which, let's face it, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies mm-hmm. and Steampunk. They forgot that one, too. <laughs> So why do why do they call everybody Orientals? I'm very upset by that. I'm I'm not cool with it either. It's not, I, I understand uh, the time. It's not necessary. Um, I don't like the so yeah. So the Bennets uh, are a family of kick-ass ladies. Yes. And this this movie. Oh my god! I, I might find it hard to talk about how I feel because I I hate it so much. Okay. Well, the, the, um, do you want me to fill in where? Um, I, I I don't like it either. Come not between the dragon and his wrath. Okay, it's you've already done it. You've already done it. You've got a comedy of manners with zombies. Right. So the joke here's an, an example of the, of of the, the the joke, which is the joke. Oh, Mister Burnham, I find it very uh, uncouth of you to come into uh, my domicile with brains upon your. Uh, riding boots or something, <laughs> right, right? Right, Done. That's it. Yeah. It's not... Oh, we got... Check out this this garter belt I've got that's got a knife in it, and I pull my dress up, and I throw this knife, and it's flipping slow motion. It's Sucker Punch. It's Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Sucker Punch. Yes. And uh, that just yeah. shows such a lack of faith in your material, but also creativity to just know... Oh, Sucker Punch came out a little while ago. People liked, that's how ladies kick ass. I hated that movie so much. <laughs> it just like, it it it, it was, um, 
it had no um, plot and it, it just didn't go anywhere. And yeah, we want to see ladies kicking butt, but we want to see like story and substance and, um, you know, um, not vapidness. Is it vapid? I felt like it was. Anyways. Um, I just think that it's, it's, it's shot poorly. Mm-hmm. It is... Um, there's a zombie baby, which is probably the bravest thing that it did. Uh, I guess I don't, I'm not super familiar with the novel Pride and Prejudice, although I've seen a couple of movie versions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's got its point of departure. There isn't actually one point of departure. The whole thing starts with, oh, it's also pro-gentry? Seems that way. Okay, we're just going to spoil the movie. Yeah. There's a, there's a social commentary in that, guess who all the zombies are? The poor, the poor people, people, because they can't isolate themselves from the rest of the world, like people who live in Pemberley, for instance. Mm-hmm. And so we start off and all the zombies are poor. All the rich have retreated to the counties around London and dug like a giant, like mile wide trench around London, which should be bad. That's bad, right? I could yes. see Michael Bloomberg using a space laser to carve a giant to make the east and hudson rivers wider and just carve a trench around manhattan and then just you know what's that onion article a blood-soaked michael bloomberg says there is no more homeless problem like i could see that happening and that would be bad but that's the status quo that we're trying to return to as this movie goes and then as we go on we find out that mr wickham the guy who is kind of the villain uh, a villain of pride and prejudice although Mm -hmm. He's, I don't know, I guess he's a bad guy, but whatever. Um, He still gets married to one of the sisters. Lydia. Uh, He is the leader of, he's a movement basically that says, look, the zombies only become more, you get bit and you become, you're dead, but you still can live a somewhat normal life if you don't eat human brains. Human brains makes you a stereotypical shuffling zombie. Otherwise, you're just sort of like an intelligent undead. And we found a way, or somebody found a way, they eat animal brains. Yeah, pig brains. It slakes their uh, lust. Well, in this case, it's pigs. But it slakes their lust for flesh. And so maybe we can negotiate with these people because it keeps saying over and over again, there is no winning this war. It can't be won. They can replenish their soldiers. We become less and less. It's a real like 1%, 99% tale. Mm-hmm. But we are rooting for the 1%. And it's not succession where we're supposed to laugh and hate them. And it's not, uh, I don't know, anything else where we're for some reason rooting for the rich people. And then, spoiler alert, it turns out, of course, that Wickham is a bad guy. Yeah, And his plan was to... I guess he wants to lead the army. He's on the side of the dead, but also he's trying to sabotage their efforts to be good because he needs yeah, to. Yeah, that didn't make sense to me at, at all because like. He wants them to be, he, he wants to lead them, but he wants to lead them as a bloodthirsty horde and not as the guy who's like their political leader because they are once again able to join politics and society because they're intelligent. And what does that have something to do with the four horsemen? People who are dropped which, which in the dropped. beginning of the film yeah. show up at the end and we don't know anything about it. This movie literally ends in the dumbest – it ends – I guess it's trying to have its cake and eat it too because it ends like a romantic comedy, a period comedy does with people getting married. Yes. And as the credits are rolling, I'm like, 
that can't be it. Uh-huh. Although maybe it is because everything else has been a bad choice in this movie. And then guess what? Record scratch. Stop the credits. Stop it. Here comes Wickham and the army of the undead rushing Pemberley. And it's not that we're going to have to fight them someday. They're there now. And it's like, well, but then, then the movie ends. The credits start up again. I know. That's not an end. No. That's the last act. Yep. Yep. But they couldn't afford that. This movie was optioned immediately. It was picked yes. up by Natalie Portman's production company. She was supposed to star in it. It got kicked around for almost 10 years. She dropped out and good on her. Yeah. Because she won it. an Oscar while yeah. this was in development hell. And <laughs> But you can just say, just, just stop it. I know. I mean, it's... at some point you're pot committed, but you came up with nothing. Well... And it is different from the book because uh, the book doesn't have the, the plot that you just mentioned with Wickham. Like, Are you serious? I'm serious. So what happens like, in the book? Like he marries Lydia, but he somehow becomes a quadriplegic and they move to Close. Ireland. And Where are zombies in all this? There are zombies around and they're fighting and stuff like that. And uh, Elizabeth... Um, like um fights Catherine, Lady Catherine, uh Darcy's aunt, and defeats her but spares her life. Sure. And Darcy is warmed by that, and then they get together and I hate it. Yeah. Um uh, Seth Graham Smith likes Kung Fu movies and thinks they're better than samurai movies. Prove me wrong. It certainly seems that way in this in this movie. Because the and I don't know. And like in some alternate universe, this is the most successful movie ever made but it never yeah. we can follow you can follow there's movies where like a nazi is like investigating other nazis and he's like whoa what are these guys doing and he's the hero right like you can anybody can be a hero but you need to have some context mm -hmm. and these white rich white people hate the poor people because they're dirty and infectious also they appropriate asian culture and talk to each other in Japanese and Chinese, yes. but you never see any Asian people around. No. Right. Like, like where are their masters that they're learning this from? Do right. they, like, they must have gone to Asia and the, the training oh, there? But it, oh, you thought about that more than they did. They didn't <laughs> care because now you've got chicks in garter belts, like, karate kicking people. Yeah. I it, It's infuriating. These, who am I supposed to root for? I, I know, and I don't feel It's not like... shot well. No. It's, I, I mean, who is it for? Who's this for? I don't really think it's for anybody. And, and like, it's, the the actors that are in it that are talented, I, I, I feel, like, horrible that they were in this movie. Like, I'm so sorry you wasted your no, time. No, screw them. Screw them? I'm not, I'm not sold on this, this Lily James thing. I'm I'm not either. I don't, to I don't, be perfectly honest, I don't. I'm not impressed by her. Um, the guy that played Darcy was terrible, and He's I don't great. know if he is a throat cancer survivor. But he made a choice early on to do a thing, like he was Batman. Yeah, he did a Batman voice the whole <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, poor Matt Smith is just trying to do his best. Honestly, he was like the highlight of the film, if you ask me. Um, yes, uh, the way a rose can bloom in a septic tank, yes. he was the best part of the film. Yes. Um, I mean, Bella Heathcote's kind of a zero. Who who else was? Wickham was a blank. I don't even remember him at all. No, no. It's just it's just badly cast. It's just th this movie was shat out. This movie 
plopped into theaters. Yes, it did. Plopping into theaters. Like a turd. That and it, it had no good ideas. And this is how you know. And this is this is bad news and a future prediction for another movie we're going to talk about later. But when you don't believe in your material, you start to sweat. And it, when you start to yes. sweat, you start to do stuff. And there were a lot of bits. There were things in this movie that were just ill, ill-chosen. Um, that were just immature choices. Like, oh, the the characters in Jane Austen novels spar with words. But what if they were sparring with words and with weapons? And right. so there's At a the scene where, you know, the scene where Darcy first, you know, tells Elizabeth that he loves him and she rejects him because of... Um, the circumstances mm-hmm. we've got that scene here but while it's happening they're kung fu fighting and trying to stab each other and like breaking t- pots over each other's head or whatever and instead of shooting it with hot matrix action then we stop and then we say i'm gonna enjoy watching you die mr anderson or whatever right. what if he said i'm gonna enjoy watching mr diamond and mr anderson while they're punching each other in the face and flipping around you wouldn't understand what they're saying and what's going on you wouldn't be able to focus on either the words or on the fighting and that's what they chose to do it's just yes. a bad dumb choice it's like a high school theater choice and then speaking of high school theater um people are gonna get bored if we're just sitting here and talking right so we gotta have like crazy slapstick but not even slapstick to a level that makes you go like oh it was a good bit it's just like somebody runs in and people go whoa whoa a lot of flailing of arms i mean a lot of flailing metaphorically but Mm -hmm. a lot of flailing of limbs in this film yeah and like the going back to the the fighting and them talking at the same time like the 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 daughters spar in the basement which is fine but they were talking during that as well and uh, that was a little bit they were trying to add like some comedy to that like oh we're having fun but we're like trying to beat each other up too and it just doesn't work that well this movie was directed by Burr Steers never heard of him right exactly <laughs> he was an actor who was in films like Igby Goes Down and 17 Again and he wanted to be uh, well he a director he's Gore Vidal's nephew <laughs> so there you go and he's directed a, a couple um, TV shows. Okay. Oh, he, sorry. He directed 17 again. Okay. Uh, and he directed Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Uh-huh. I don't think he's working on anything else. That's uh, not surprising. That's, that's it. Kind of feel a little bit bad about that, but uh, yeah. And at first they wanted David O. Russell, which... <sighs> Wow. I mean, it would have been a different movie. Uh, yeah. Well, that would have been a like a real <laughs> set fire situation, as I like to say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just a disaster front to back, capped off by an ending that ends, and then oh no, wait, and now now it's over. Yeah, it, it reminded was, me of uh, of Spaced when they go to um, the, the performance <laughs> artist's show. I think that's uh, that exactly encapsulates uh, that ending. Uh, Real bad. Yeah, it was uh, astonishingly bad. A couple gay panic jokes, too. Yeah, unnecessary. Yeah, I always like to see that. Yeah, that's uh, always a a good mark of a film. So, a film that's just so backwards in its eye. 
Have you read any other Seth Graham no. screen, screen spanish man spam, I have spam not. stuff? Yeah, I wonder if all of his is he like the thinking man Seth MacFarlane or something? Uh, and it's entirely possible. Yeah. <sighs> don't, uh, don't see this movie. No, do not do rush. Just do not watch. Do not see this movie. Yeah. Um, we want to talk about the other movie we saw. Another movie we saw. Yes. Uh, the lady with a portrait on. Uh, Wow, am I going to say the name wrong? Uh, this is maybe portrait our worst of a lady show. on fire. This is a, I'm willing to. I'll say it right now. Wow, I think this is one of our worst shows. Wow, portrait of a lady on fire. I'm so glad that we planned ahead <laughs> and tried to come up with this concept, which is uh, clearly falling apart. Uh, 45% Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic for peers of the guys and the zombies and the prejudice and the hey and yes. the ho. It hurts me. Yes. Um, 98%. On Rotten Tomatoes for Portrait of a Lady on Fire and 95 on Metacritic. Okay. That, I mean, that doesn't surprise me uh, at all. Um, Could it be done in 25 words? Uh, I'm going to do my best. Uh, a... It's 1770 in France. So let's get, we'll get you started. Sure. A painter arrives at a, at a house. Oh, boy. Uh, and she has to paint a lady who's going to get married. Her, her, I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, her marriage portrait and she can't know about it. It works. Okay. Yeah. All right. I guess. Uh, (laughs) and, um, hilarity ensues. Mm. Subtitled hilarity ensues. (laughs) Portrait de la jeune fille en feu. Uh, even sounds yes. great in French. This uh, was directed by Celine, Celine Schiama, mm-hmm. uh, who is a French screenwriter and film director who's known for her minimalist work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, also uh, she's, you know, all of her films are queer cinema, you could consider. Sure. Um, or you could, um, you, you could call them. Uh, and for a movie that is set before... Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> um, it is very minimalist. I mean, it's yes. it takes place in a nearly empty house. That's mm-hmm. something else that you could probably, except for, I don't think they bothered with this in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, but in Emma and in this, the houses of rich people are not warm places. Not they are filled no. with rooms that are empty, except for the paintings on the walls mm-hmm. and the art, which they are they own so no one can ever see. The public can't enjoy it unless they come and tour this giant house. But yeah, it's just like four characters, really like three characters, mm. um, wandering around this old house yes, and uh, trying to not catch on fire. <laughs> um, sure. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's it's a I would say it's definitely like a, a quiet film in in a lot of ways. It's like, literally quiet. Yeah. The it it the negative space of this film from a um, soundtrack and audio perspective is very telling. Like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, once again, very Constant insecure, is terrified that you will get bored for one second. Um, even problems with that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, I had to like I had a frog in my throat and I had to cough in like the first five minutes of the film and I. Was afraid. I didn't cough till like the first ten minutes had gone by because there's a scene that is there's just no soundtrack and sound at all, and I was like, 
<laughs> trying to hold my cough in. I didn't want to interrupt what was going on. Yeah, uh, and I think it's um, I think it's a great tool to be able to use that um, when you're you're telling a film, and uh, I, I think that there are some filmmakers that are afraid to put that in, and uh, you know. Uh, put a lot of music and noise and that sort of thing in. I don't want to spoil this film, and I don't even really want a spoiler section for this film. I think people should see this film. Um, it, but in order to, I mean, kind of spoil it if you are wondering where it's going, I, this is like, um, you know, blue is the warmest pigment sort of situation. <laughs> or uh, sure. something like that. Yeah. Tracing Amy. Tracing it's Amy. It's Tracing Amy. Wow. No, I would not. I don't want to give Kevin Smith any points at all. No. Paint me. Paint me with your face. <laughs> I kept thinking, uh, paint me like one of your French girls paint me from like, like the Titanic, your, like one of your French uh, lesbians. Yes. Yes. Um, and it is. Uh, it's a tragic story, but it's a tender story, and it's okay. Oh. Here's my review. It's kind of a parasite review. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I think there are parts of it that are really well put together. But like we said before, the director is known for her minimalist work. That minimalist tone is in everything. I don't think all the characters have to be um, really emotional, you know, or, or um, exasperated about about things. But it's really low key. Um Adele Hanel, uh, who plays uh, one of the main characters, is, I haven't seen her in anything else, but she is almost totally a blank. And I think, and her character is supposed to be kind of enigmatic, and I think you could be that way and still show emotion. And I think you could show somebody opening up to, to warmth and love without them, like, starting, like, bonjour. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> Yes, I understand what I you're saying. I thought it was fine, but okay. people, 98, I don't think it's a 98% though. I guess. I mean, I really I really enjoyed it. I thought it was um an interesting story uh and and tragic like you said. Um I I thought it was interesting that the other girl who's the painter um, her mother Naomi Merlant. Yeah, the mother character introduces Played her by Valeria Galino. Yeah, as as basically a friend to go on walks with. Yes. For like a week, which seems kind of strange, and then she's just gonna go on her way. Well, there, but, again, there's a class thing here because true. The Marianne, the the painter character, is you get the idea that she has money, but as a like an independent painter or something. Um, but as a painter who is the daughter of a male painter, she has lacks status because they don't want women to paint. So I, right. she's inherited her father's painting school. They'll allow her to teach, but nobody's going to take the work of a woman seriously. So I feel like she, prob she probably has resources uh, and money, but she is in a... Uh, a lower status because of that. Uh -huh. um, Eloise, the the daughter, is you know the the daughter of um, a rich family, um, but maybe not so rich anymore because she's being married off to a rich Italian guy. So we can get that dowry, like lock that out. Right. So it's all these characters are in um, lower status than they would want to be. Um, 
the third hand in the movie is um, Sophie, the uh, the maid, and she's just a maid. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. And then there's a bunch of characters in this film. Like we spend a lot of time in the lower quote unquote classes of society. Um, you know, saying, oh, well, they're really human. Oh, they have lives of their own. It's so fascinating. It's so fascinating. <laughs> I didn't think the movie was like saying that or like it was no. just putting you there. And, you know, nor- so that's how like Pride and Precious and Zombies, we're, we're supposed to be talking about how it's subverting tropes or whatever. And it subverts it by oh, there's, there's zombies yes. um, and a lot of cultural appropriation. But this movie does it by you. you're coming here to see. A rich woman have her portrait painted instead, but we're hanging out, you know, with the um, with the, the peasant chicks the by by the, by the fire, and yeah. we're drinking uh, moonshine and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and they're singing, and uh, yeah, we're, we're... they sing this weird song that's like, oh, it's like I didn't know the THX song had lyrics. <laughs> and I, yeah, it's supposed to show like female camaraderie and that sort of thing. Way, but... way to boil it down, insultingly re- reduce it. I'm sorry. Way I to be not, super reductive. I did not mean it's to It's supposed to There is a character who, um, you know, okay, right. <laughs> Watch me reduce it. Uh, lady's got a rough, yo. Uh, this is true. This movie likes to uh, to make sure that we know that. And in, at one point, one character finds out they're pregnant, um, doesn't want it, but doesn't freak out about it. This is just something that, that happens. women deal with, right? Yes. Even back then. And so she tries hanging by her hands <laughs> for and hours. And like drinking. The baby won't fall out. Well, And yeah, then she drinks, uh, yeah, some kind of tea or some petty royal tea probably. Uh, and then she has to go to the to the lady, the expert in town. And that lady, you know, has a big boxing glove that she's lacing up. She's <laughs> like, well, I'm almost ready. Uh, and you see these, you go to these women-only spaces. The movie begins with her being ferried from a ship you know on a bark to this coast where the rich family lives Mm -hmm. and it's all men you know in hoses and tricorn hats and they're not even talking to her it's not even like oh how long are you gonna be here there's not there's no crossover at all even though she's technically higher status than they are Mm -hmm. and her canvases fall on the water and she just takes off her coat and jumps in right gets them because the men aren't gonna do that and then later on, she's like, how do I get to the thing? And the guy's like, yeah, it's over there, whatever. And just you know, leaves her. And then she enters this space where it's just basically women. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is a movie that's like doesn't pass the reverse Bechdel test. <laughs> and that's fine. Yes. I yeah, I would I would agree. Um, I, I I say go see it. I I, um, I, I recommend. Oh, it's it. yeah, it's totally worth seeing. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're not blown away, remember what I said. <laughs> But I mean, as far as I don't know, I just I really want to watch more and more um, queer cinema films, you know, just get I, I, there's just so much. It's not that I was like, oh, I'd never watch something like that. But yeah, it's not marketed to us. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, the what we're going to talk about next is marketed to us. Right. Fast and the Furious is marketed to us or Marvel movies or whatever. And you just don't see characters like this. You don't see stories like this. And it isn't always, you know, queer as folk or something like that um, or Studio 54 or whatever. <laughs> you know, a story like this, you wouldn't expect. That's why this is a great thing to see, I think, because it's you wouldn't expect to see a story like this in this setting. But I, I of course, with that. it's as human a story as any other. Of course. Know? So, yeah. And it's like, of course, queer people exist. Get that then. boxing glove. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, let's get to the big, the big one, the All big right. un, the big un, the big M, Emma. Yeah. yeah. Um, what 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 two letters encompass perfection? Yes. M and A. Emma. Right. Yes. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Like, right. Good. Yeah. Didn't uh, didn't go over. So good one. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Mister uh, Hawkins or whatever. <laughs> So many names. I know. I think that was Churchill. Uh, yeah. Um, There's so many names. I I didn't get. So here's the deal. Here's why it's okay. In Clueless, which yes. the shadow cloud, the bad lighting of Clueless. Oh, wow. Emma stepped into a patch of bad lighting. <laughs> that wasn't. That was a shadow that was being cast by Clueless. Oh, you yeah. cannot. And when I read, I read this interview with uh, Anna Taylor Joy, uh, the uh, star of Emma, titular yes. character, and she's like, "Yeah, if you watch our movie and you watch Clueless, you really see how they connect." It's like, well, your movie should stand on its own, though. I, it reminded I agree me of the you. scene in uh, Go, if, which was so long ago now. This is twenty fifth anniversary of Go, but uh, where um, the main character played by. Um, Sarah Polly, they go to this rave and she's selling like baby aspirin and like antihistamine and telling people that it's ecstasy. Uh-huh. And she's selling it to like high school kids who don't know any different, you know? So it's like, did you, do you feel it yet? And he's like, no, I don't feel it just yet. And he's like, oh, wait. Yeah, I think I feel it. I think I feel it. She's like, oh, that's great. Yeah. You know what also works is if you, you take it with a pot, with a lot of pot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's kind of how I felt, like when she said, "Like, oh, you should watch Clueless." And it's like, all right, but how yeah. much do you want that goodwill to rub off in your movie? Yeah, I I feel like don't. Because I think you might need it. Don't name drop another film that is based on your film. Yeah, you know, it, you, like you said, you want yours to be stand out on its well, own. Like, and I don't and even like... I don't want to hear the man speak. But if Todd Phillips led every interview about joker with all right make sure you see king of comedy and right right and i but i feel like that just became evident in the structure of when we found out what the film was about we're like it was just king of comedy Mm -hmm. with a little taxi driver right but i don't think todd phillips started every like afi interview by saying like all right so we took the king of comedy and we no, I don't think That would think kind of so. undercut Absolutely. the film. Yeah. Which was undercut enough because I mean, it only won. Joker. Yeah, so it was good. <laughs> um, what happened to this film? Uh, Try. I'd, I'd like wow. to see it happen. Yeah, uh, really rough. Uh, so Emma is like a well-to-do 21-year-old and... Um, <laughs> Uh, exactly 21 years old. Yeah, and she lives alone with her father, and uh, she lives a life of privilege, and she likes doing matchmaking uh, with her her friends and acquaintances. And it's one of her favorite pastimes. Actually, she's nearly 21. Oh, is it she's nearly 21? Okay. Um, And Mr. Dopey is 37. (laughs) Wow, I didn't feel like there was that much of an age difference in the Not film. in the movie. No. No. Huh. But if you watch Clueless, it makes more sense. I guess. Yeah. Oh, but um, I didn't even get to finish my point. Oh. My point is that Paul Rudd is like her stepbrother. Yes. Right? Which is like and but it, but it's like from a recent marriage. So they're based they're they've 
barely they're barely tolerating each other. They've uh-huh. been living together for two or three years or something like that, right? Don't just say uh-huh. I don't remember this. It's your favorite movie. Um well like he, they didn't grow up together. There's no way. No, they didn't grow up together and he has he was away at college and he came back. He's still kind of in college. And okay, so maybe they've so, technically the, the the they've been her dad has been married to his mom for a while, but they haven't seen each but other. But they they his parents their parents okay, are divorced. Okay, the point. I don't know why I'm trying to help you. Okay, there's no way to square it. It's weird. In okay. this, they say that they grew up together at one point, but she's 20 and he's 37. So. I think he might have changed her diaper once. Oh, that's okay. But I, they didn't really grow wow. up together. But he is the brother of her sister's husband, which makes them nothing. Do you know oh, what I, mean? I didn't realize that he was the brother of her sister's husband. Yeah. When the sister comes in like, with all the kids and stuff like that. Yes. That's his brother. Well, I feel like that's not made really clear. No. Um... I have never gotten that. And all the times I've watched yeah. different productions of Emma. So they're nothing. Wow, okay. Like my sister's, you know, husband, like his brother. Is not. I mean, he's a cool guy. Right. But we're nothing. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Huh. No. Okay. The aforementioned diaper changing thing is a problem, but. Y- yeah. They're different kinds of weird. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Tell me what happens in Emma. Uh, I did. Um, she likes to be matchmaking. She matchmakes. And she but the, makes mistakes. Sometimes the matchmaker gets made matched. You, you know what I discovered when I was watching First Blood the other day? Uh-oh. Rambo is like the is a walking Soviet Russia joke. Because every Rambo scene is every scene in Rambo or First Blood has like, you're not hunting him, he's hunting you. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're not stuck out here with him, he's stuck out here with us. What you call hell, Rambo calls home. <laughs> You know, in Soviet Russia, magazine read you. <laughs> I don't know if they ever thought about that or maybe that they're re- overusing that. Emma. Yes. This is a new production of Emma, obviously. Mm-hmm. Duh. Uh, it is directed by Autumn De Wild. Okay. Yes. Um, this is her debut. Oh. All right. I was going to ask what else she's done. Nothing. Um, okay. Um, Nothing. She's done portraiture. And commercial work, she takes pictures of musicians. Interesting. And she does music videos. Okay. She's done nothing. All right. And you know what? Huh. It shows. Okay. I did not feel that this was shot very well. I think it had its moments. Mm -hmm. I think, the ironically, I think the dance scenes were probably some of the best shot parts. Mm. Um. Because every one of these things, they're doing some weird line dance or whatever. Right, of course. And in, and I get it, like in the dance, we are seeing not only bodies change position, but personalities and attitudes change position. Mm -hmm. And so I think they did a good job of capturing the dance and the camera's moving around, but not crazily. And we're getting it. But a lot of it was like kind of off off centered and off framed. Mm -hmm. So I know that like there's a part where Emma's dancing with. Mr. Bing Bong. I can't remember his Nightly. name. Nightly. And they 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 are going to, he's going to pull her back or something and they're going to get really close in the middle of the frame. Not hug because that would be improper at this time. Right. I, but they start off and she's almost out of frame on the left side and he is, is way, he's like feet away from the frame on the right. And there's, and it looks like you're trying to make symmetry because there are dancers behind them. 
it, it, I, I don't know. It just didn't. I mean, I have to, I have less experience than Autumn DeWilde does. No question. <laughs> but I just felt like a lot of it was off. There are scenes that are framed. I, I know there's a height difference between them, but they're framed where Knightley's in frame. We reverse to Emma. And I don't know if we're trying to keep her like, boobs in frame, but Whoa. the top of her head is cut off in the frame. It just which seems is like, a weird choice. Which is, yeah, you're not Yorgos Lanthimos. <laughs> right. I, I, you're just trying to do a shot reverse shot. This is an important scene where they're talking to each other, you know, about these important things. And Yeah, I... I, I, I did not... I thought their directing was the worst part. I, I, I felt like the music was um a little much. Like, I, I don't know if it was... Oh, yeah. Uh too loud or like i thought it was like a little like on the comedic side which you know is fine for like certain parts but like i kind of want it to be like help me move the the action of the film on but like Mm -hmm. i don't want it to like stand out so much where i like notice it in a bad way and that's kind of what happened you know Mm -hmm. um and I think it got a little bit better as the the film went on, but uh, it. <laughs> yeah, it. But once again, it's that uh, that same insecurity where they're afraid. That, oh, you're going to be bored by this. I didn't think that it was the sound was captured well. Like we immediately start the film out at the beginning, and it's not like the way that it was mixed. It was hard to understand exactly what they were saying, and it wasn't just. Hey, Frank. Hey, Ted or whatever. Egg salad? Sure. Like, it was a lot of names, a lot right. of complicated things, and it wasn't coming through. And it's like Danny Elfman was doing the score. Like, it's just, come. it's so strong. And the movie finally, later on, settles down into itself, and you get these moments of silence similar to Portrait of a Lady, where you go, oh, I feel the emotion in this scene. But up to that point, it's just... Remember the flailing? The flailing's back. <laughs> Se- not as bad as Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, but sections no. of this were very sweaty where, you know, they did that bit. This is like a junior high theater bit where, you know, Mr. Knightley comes in and he's going to talk to um, Emma's dad, Mr. Woodhouse. And, you know, so he's like, oh, how are you? I'm fine. And then, like, Bill Nye sits down, and the guy sits down, but then Bill Nye gets back up again, and the guy gets back up again. And he's like, are, are you sure you don't want any cookies or anything? No, no, I'm fine. So, okay, and then Bill Nye sits down, and then the guy sits down, and then Bill Nye says, what about some milk? We, we get it. This is nothing new. You have done nothing new here. But now I know that first-time director, okay, yeah, I mean, I get it. Right. But, you know. When Jonathan Frakes, oh my God, here we go. Whoa. Here we go, Star Trek. Whoa. When Jonathan Frakes directed The Offspring, he specifically looked at a bunch of Star Trek episodes, including ones that he was in, and went, I'm not going to do any of this stuff. How do I make my stuff differentiate from Star Trek that's come before? I enjoyed the film, but I am... Like, we're not sold on Lily James. I'm not totally sold on Anya Taylor-Joy either. Um, I, I I, just, um, I, I didn't totally buy things that she said. It's her first screenplay. Okay. All right. You know what? I'm instantly going to raise my review of this movie a point. A point? For, yes. For a okay. film that uh, focus features, right? I think so. Uh, that they managed to convince somebody to pay for. 
this is like a Benioff and Weiss, only not quite, not eight seasons of a show. Whoa, yeah. This is a director and a writer who have never done this before. We just went, we want to do this. For a director and a writer who have never done this before, it's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah. I the last movie I saw wasn't by a first direct time director and a writer. Right. And so, you know, if you want to get up to speed on that double dutch. <laughs> right. Then, yeah, I think you need to bring in a little more. Right. Uh, we saw some actors who were in sex education show up in this. Um, and uh, I think there were, like, some fun uh, character moments throughout the film. Like what? Um, uh... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everybody who's in this is in something else. So, um, you know, Rupert Graves is the Lestrade from Sherlock, right? He's this is like you, this is just the BBC did a film, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, you've got the kids from um, I was going to say Ill Communication, but it's a Sex Education. Yeah, like uh, Ma Bell, I got the Sex Education. <laughs> uh, you've got Callum Turner from Fantastic Beasts, and Mia Goth from that horrible fire. In which her eyebrows were claimed. Oh, no. And, of course, Bill Nye. I'd never heard of Johnny Flynn before. Oh. No, I never have either. Oh, this. Uh-oh, what? This sucks. Uh-oh. Johnny Flynn, who played uh, Mr. Knightley. Yes. Um, is a British musician. Oh. Singer. Uh-oh. Songwriter. Uh-huh. And actor. So fourth. Why, Why is actor listed fourth last? Down, <laughs> yeah. Fourth down. Uh, he okay. played uh, in a Channel 4 sitcom called Love Sick. Okay. Um, and yeah, his filmography is uh, pretty, pretty short. Pretty short. Well, he does play the violin and sing in the movie. So there you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> and supposedly he is, um, you know, they're looking at him to play David Bowie in the upcoming Stardust film. Okay. No. Uh, I, so, okay. Wow. All right. Um, I'm going to take my little point back. Okay. <laughs> point given, point taken back. <laughs> the host giveth and the host taketh away. Uh, what are they doing? I, I don't. I don't. Here's the real story. Hmm. I saw the Gwyneth Paltrow version of Emma. Yes. In 1996. Uh-huh. 24 years ago. In the same theater that we just saw Emma. Oh, wow. In I didn't the realize same that. seat of the balcony. I mean, they're new seats. They redid the seats, but I sat in the same position 24 years later. And I got to say, I'm not looking forward to Emma 2044 at this point. Oh, my if this is the way that it's going to be, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it's been a while since I've seen the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma, but I feel like I enjoyed it. It more. makes so much sense now that I know that half the people in this have never been in a movie before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you I, get that sort of, wow, that was a really good high school play feeling <laughs> out of it. But it's not, it's never going to be the smallest portion of what professionals can do you know yeah i saw i went to see i've never seen ian mckellen play a um be in a play on stage but i've seen him in a talk mm-hmm. and he came to the guthrie theater at the same time that he was touring um the seagull and king lear yes. he was in a company that was doing both of those 
and he was talking to the director. And it was just one of those like donor nights where you can come in. I don't know if King Lear was packed, but this was packed. Like the auditorium was full Mm -hmm. just to see him talk to the artistic director of the theater. Mm -hmm. They talked about all kind of stuff and they talked about his, you know, they, they had a connection. They had known each other for years. And, and um, I think at one point maybe worked together, Um, talked about, you know, Gandalf or whatever. Of course. But then at one point the director was like, well, would you mind doing something for us? And Ian McKellen is like, yes, you know, I'd love to do a speech from, I think it was from the seagull. And the thing about the speech, he was talking about the speech. He was talking about why it was important, how it fit into the play. And as he was doing that, he kind of stood up and was lecturing a little bit. And he got to the point where he's like, given us the context that we need and understanding. And he walks behind the chair and immediately he is somebody else. He's the same old man in a cardigan, but suddenly he has power. He is telling us something it's from the play. He is playing the role now. Mm-hmm. He's turned it on. It's that million dollar th- thing. You know, it's that it's 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 what makes somebody an actor. And I know this is just this is Fast and the Furious from the Victorian times, isn't it? Like this is just <laughs> this is just piffle, right? Yeah. Nobody read. I mean, the novel, well, maybe not at this point, but the novel isn't that old at this point. Like people picking up a book. And just reading it for fun and then going to a salon and talking to other people who have read the same book. This is kind of a new thing at this point. Mm. But nobody would look at Emma, even at the time, and go, this is great literature. (laughs) Nobody would do that, you know? I I don't think it stands the test of time in the no way no no i think it totally of, i think it stands the test of time okay completely i'm not but i'm not saying that the people in this have to have the command of mckellen's oh. leer i i, I see but many of them saying. can't command the little screen in this <laughs> zero budget emma i i okay yeah um sweaty it it is sweaty the guy who plays the uh vicar uh, yes. is really going for it. There were different levels of going for it. Some people were really going for it. Some people were okay. Right. And, and he kind of had like a comedic bent to him, which I, you know, I, I, I Comedy get. makes you laugh. <laughs> he had a ridiculous bent to him. Oh, okay. That was really going for something. Yeah, he had I don't a know if he got there. heightened way of talking. And poor Mia Goth is caught up with having to play Harriet Smith. And she can't, she's not as pretty or as refined as Emma. So she's like stuffing crumpets into her mouth or macaroons or whatever. Yeah. And then she runs, she runs like a weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't, it, this, the movie either should have tried to be as smooth and stylish as possible, in my opinion, or should have just really went for it. For the comedy. What 100% make this like a, a restoration farce, you know, instead sure. of a Regency comedy of manners. Because mm-hmm. at times it seems like they wanted to do that. There was a lot of like people running into the room and whoa. And then there's like some reaction shots. Like somebody's like, blue. And then they'll cut to other people like, huh? Yeah. And, and, and then it wants to be a musical. And now that I yeah, know I that know. that guy, <laughs> now that I know that that guy is a musician, it's like, oh, of course. Right. Right. Uh, I, I, I I get what you're saying, and I, I do think that it, um, the tone was just kind of all, all over, and um, 
it should have um i i think maybe they should have gone for the comedy more because that would have been a, a a different uh take on it and the lady that plays um lady i mean she's you know, i could be her father but like the plays uh jane fairfax is a um pianist and violinist as well okay she plays the piano and stuff like that. That was right. a, I, that was an okay scene because yes. The thing about Emma is Emma has there's very little to vex her, but of course, oh, this is something else that I read um, when I was reading up on Emma, which was um, Austin set out. She, in her own words, she said that she was setting out to make a protagonist that only she would like. And which anybody, I think is anybody who hadn't created this character would find it hard to like her. Uh huh. And also, it's one of the first novels I think that really emphasizes the fact that there is a subtext to what's going on. We are not supposed to, a lot of it is from uh, Emma's narration or her, you know, inner monologue, but we're not supposed to agree with her the whole time. You know, Mm -hmm. something will happen and she'll be like, why won't, it's very rude for so-and-so to do that. And it's like, Emma, they were just trying, you were being an asshole. You know, and we're supposed to disagree with her. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was there. I think the movie like, I don't know if it... What did you think of the opening scene? Opening scene. Here's what the opening scene was. Opening scene. She wakes up early in the morning. Uh-huh. She goes out with two servants. Yes. Who are carrying lanterns so she can go to the, the hothouse mm-hmm. and pick a flower to, I don't know, put in a vase or give to her father or something like that. And she has to find the perfect flower and she's like, no, no, this one. Yeah. Well, she was picking a bouquet for her... Um, for, right. for former governess. For governess. Yes. Um, Played by Anya, or by or, uh, Arya, by uh, Asha. Asha, third yes. Time, third time, yes, charm you got it. From Game of Thrones. Um, I mean, I thought it was interesting. It was like showing that she's very particular and everything, and I think it's supposed to give us a good idea of what she's like and right. that she's highborn. But nothing's vexed her because she's a child and doesn't know I, the I, reality I, of the world. Right. She doesn't. She's not smart enough, or at least uh, experienced enough, to be vexed. By the very vexing things around her. And this is a coming of age story. Well, yeah, absolutely. There's a scene where she gets a nosebleed and somebody, and I was like, what? Yeah. Well, I read an article that was like, that's a symbolic deflowering. What? What? I don't, I don't like that. I I thought, I thought of like anime. Like, that's what I thought (laughs) of. And I was like, I know that's not this what they're trying to do. Was, there must be Jane Austen anime somewhere. Go find it right now. <laughs> we know that there's a anime uh, Little Women. Yes. But yeah, there's a great scene uh, where Emma. Uh, so Emma is is lacks self awareness, and so she paint like any good lady of breeding. She has talents. She paints. It's she's not a good painter. No. Um, but the care that was put into the picture is still pays off mm-hmm. you know in um affection at the end yes. and then she's playing and singing and it's you know it's fine it's a sweet sort of playing and sound and then they're like oh miss fairfax would you like to play she's like well i i don't have any music hopefully i can remember the notes <laughs> kicks the stool out back and it's just yeah so uh yeah i mean like bits like that I don't think that the movie has to like distract you from it being boring, but no. if it's gonna be boring, and it kind of was. They need more bits like that. Yeah, that was a that was a great bit that paid off. That really makes well. so now that I know that guy's not really an actor, and he's been in like ten movies. I mean, at what point are you an actor? But <laughs> that makes so much more sense. 
Fix uh, it. Uh, fix it. Um, Linda Taylor Joy mm-hmm. is contractually obligated to pretend to make New Mutants 2 until the production finally collapses. Oh, my gosh. And Johnny Flynn has a Japanese tour lined up. He's going all up and down the coast. <laughs> so who do we got as Emma and Mr. Knightley? Oh, boy. Um, Maybe we'll go out on this because uh, this will take a long time. <laughs> uh, um, who? Oh, wow. I feel like, okay, Emma's always blonde. Um, well, I don't think Anya Taylor-Joy is blonde, is oh, she? I don't know. She always seems like she's blonde. Um, that, yeah, fair. Uh, Bring it home. Um, Bring it on home to me. Who would be good? Who is up and coming? Who uh, is British? You know who's a, be... a, a a musician who they don't have to be British. Oh, I guess. Both and that Benning is in a movie. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Uh, who is um? You hear somebody who's a musician who is also sometimes an actor. Hmm. Jack White. Jack White is oh Mr. My... Knightley. Oh my goodness! P- Goth Pee Wee Herman is Mr. Knightley. That that wow, wow. Match match it up. Match, match that. it. Um, Billie I mean, Eilish <laughs> is. We lean into the musical. We lean into it. There I was. You go. I think Make I was saying this on the way out of the theater. Like, why don't we take? Why don't we put Emma in space? You know, or why don't we make it a rock opera or something like that? Like, let's sure because you're just yes. going to keep making these over and over and over again. So let's just do something real to it. You know, we framed this when we decided to talk about it, which it's really falling apart at this point, as sort of neoclassical mm-hmm. you know they were going to do it straight but with you know a nosebleed that's supposed to mean something or something like it's going right. to have modern touches to it that flamed out because it, it was a very straightforward kind of dry uh not subtextless i think version of it but yeah put it so billy eilish and, <laughs> and the ages are, are right whoa Maybe they're more right than they should be. Yeah. Uh, and then you got, yeah, Goth Pee Wee Herman is Mr. Knightley. <laughs> and Billie Eilish is just rolling around on the floor trying to match people up. You and you and you. <laughs> and then Mr. Knightley comes in and he's like, come on now, woman. You're like, does he think he's black? <laughs> I say, so. Do you believe that you are a black? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see you rock and roll, Emma. <laughs> I'd like to see you help me get out of this. <laughs> and then they could play music, right? Yes. So, like, uh, Billie Eilish is doing her, like, she's playing a harpsichord, right? It's uh-huh. like, okay, okay, fine, fine. And then uh, uh, Miss Fairfax, and Miss Fairfax is like, rolling on the river. <laughs> it's like just a whole... We try to fit because there's class in this too, right? There's high class. Sure. Emma's very rich. Yes. And uh, doesn't hold it over everybody, but has power because of it. Yes. But then she has to interact with um, people like um, the farmer guy, um, the, the Martin. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Martin, and her best friend is like a bastard child from the girls' home. Right. Uh, yeah, and you never know if she's doing it because it's charitable. Or if she's doing it because she really cares. And maybe that is a slider that goes more one way than the other yeah. by the time we reach into the film. I, I think, like, But she's... you could have... But let me finish. The 
the the rich people music could forget chamber music. It could be esoteric, um, you know, experimental. Uh, you know, I, I guess I consider Billie Eilish to be experimental, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. Or yeah. it could be like totally lame. Let's have like uh, the Decemberists just do all the wow. rich people music. Sure. But then the poor people music is like two chains and uh, like it, just like it, rolling on a river. Well, that's and, yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. Answer, But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and then was... Jack White, who thinks that he's black. <laughs> But let's face it, some of the best white musicians have thought they're black. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And the black people are like, fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, I I think that could really work. Um, really? It, I, well, <laughs> it would really? it, it would be totally different, uh, and it sounds like it could be really entertaining too. So, so would you recommend this movie? Um. I, uh, wow, would I recommend this movie? I thought it was okay. Um, I liked it well enough. So, I mean, if I guess if you're a Jane Austen fan, um, you know, and uh, I, I, yeah, I would recommend it. Yeah. Um, walk, don't run to wow. see Emma. Okay. Uh, you know, it's not terrible. Um it's been a long time since I've seen the older one. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this for Anya Taylor-Joy, who I think is still, I think she's still looking for her her, her lane, you know? Um, yes. I wouldn't say that she is untalented, but. No. I don't know. I haven't seen like Split. I haven't seen um, all of her movies, but I don't know if she's right for this. And love or hate Gwyneth Paltrow and her, and her Jade Yoni eggs or whatever. She is charming. Yes. And so she can just, you know, she has charisma. And so you understand why people would put up with Emma <laughs> and all the crap that she does. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's fine. It's passable. Passable. Yeah. Exceedingly passable. <laughs> Rolling on the river. You know, every now and then, think you might like to hear something from us nice easy there's just one thing wow what a disaster uh, i don't feel like we landed that no you no. don't think so nope um how could we have done it better um uh, we're pretty punchy and uh <laughs> i think our minds are on other things we also could have picked uh three better films well um <laughs> uh, i'm not disagreeing with you there the Although, one guy i forgot to mention the one guy from pride and prejudice and zombies so you've got mr darcy yes. um awful i don't know where that guy came from and i don't know where he is now but it's probably a community theater stage hmm. and then mr bingley 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 he's i've seen him in other stuff really and, yeah and okay. he is but i because of his face like right. he has this he is like a picture come to life. He is like sickeningly handsome. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's a good looking and guy. Surprise, surprise, not much of a performer. No. And they have those two tend to not go really well together. You know, he is like a figurehead. Like he is a you know, like a like bust, a... like a sculpture bust. Sure. That they put a wig on. Right. Um and so like that, yeah, that just really holds it back. But then 
I don't know, whatever. You get him and Bella Heathcote together at the end. It's like, go, go have God babies, you know, go create some new <laughs> race of mannequins that are, uh, you know, more than mortal men. But wow. Not, not in this movie. Uh, I don't know how we could have fixed it. It was really bad. Uh, Emma was uh, written in 1815. I guess I didn't realize that. Okay. I mean, I guess if it's um, Regency or whatever, then that's uh, when it is. But... Yeah. Okay. Um. So, yeah. Do you know when Pride and Prejudice was written? I do not know when Pride and Prejudice was written. When was it written? I want you to guess. Uh, I'm going to guess it was before that. I'm going to guess 1800. Uh, you get two more guesses. Let's see uh, if you can get it right on. Oh, okay. 1812? No. Um, uh, uh, 1802. <laughs> Let's jump back to 18. <laughs> 1813. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so depending on your opponent, you might have won the showcase showdown. Yeah. There, but okay. Yeah. So they're both, you know, they're actually not that far away from um, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. No, I mean, uh, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Sure. Um, samurai or Kung Fu? Which one? Uh, Kung Fu. Really? Oh, no. Which one would I prefer? Uh, samurai, for sure. What would what, what, you think? I don't... What do you think I was asking? I don't know. It's not like you were... Like... Pick a card, any card? Yeah, I don't know what I thought you were doing. Um, yeah. Uh, samurai movies. How about you? Samurai or Kung Fu? I'm kind of sick of Samurai. Oh, Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, we were talking before about how none of these movies, um, not Portrait, um, because I minimalist, that was what they wanted, that's what they got, um, but Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Emma, who we now know were written within three years of each other, um, could have used a real swing for the fences. If you watch some of those old kung fu movies, they don't give a shit. They're sure. just going for it. Right. You know, they've got my secret technique of making my eyebrows disappear. It's like, oh, whoa, oh. <laughs> um, there's a great video with the RZA on YouTube talking about the albums that inspired um, Wu-Tang. Okay. Like, um, you know, the mystery of chess boxing is a real movie. <laughs> it isn't just something they came up with to, to name a, a song or an album. Sure. And um, and he talks about how, you know, it's yeah, sure, there's like cool, you know, stories about wushu warriors, but it's a lot of goofy stuff, too. It's like, my, my technique lets me step on men's heads. And it's like, <laughs> he's, oh, no, cover your heads. Right. Well, they're just trying to be entertaining. Tiger style. <laughs> They're entertaining, but they also contain elements of an adventure, a tragedy, a story of revenge that also has, you know, a guy whose whose technique is farting on people or something like that. (laughs) And it works. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, (laughs) fart on us on social media, (laughs) Facebook (laughs) and Twitter at Just Enough Trope. Uh, Go to your listening platform of choice. Subscribe to us. Rate and review us. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out more than you'd think. Call. The action. Ring, ring. Hi, it's action. <laughs> um, give us a rating. Uh, we, we need it and we would appreciate it. And uh, give us uh, give us five flowers clipped by Emma. Yes. Sorry, by Emma's servant. <laughs> who then she rejects. And then we see Mr. Knightley fully naked. <laughs> I know. I know. Sex? 
I were they attempt? I read, I read a lot of articles because this movie confounded me. And one of the articles was, oh, it's all about sex. It's like the real. They took the 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 overabundance of clothes in the Regency era, and the, you know they, they can get honest when they are stripped down. So like Emma, you know, <laughs> some Emma's clothes are <laughs> not the, not that binding, but um, Emma's like. When she gets down to her, sh- when she unlaces her shoes, you know, after the dance or whatever, uh-huh. she's more vulnerable. Or like when she's talking to um, Harriet, you know, and she's just in her shift or whatever. It's like, that's when she can be the most open. And I'm like, I mean, okay, but then why, why do we see the dude's butt like six minutes in? And then why do we see yeah. Emma's butt when she's trying to warm herself at the fire? I mean, <laughs> clearly that would be a practicality of the time, but what? I, I I don't know. I think <laughs> I think they were just trying to show that he's been traveling and yet he's going off. Some, but but why show us his naked body? I don't know. We're trying I, we're trying to lock that PG thirteen in, and we didn't even get it. It's PG. PG. Oh, it's just PG. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, sixty nine percent on Metacritic. Yeah, not very high. So give us five stars. Instead, we don't want anything to do with Emma. <laughs> We'll be back in the future to talk about something else uh, and in the near future to talk about Emerald City Comic Con. So stay tuned for that. And until then, we're signing off. I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co-host, Mikan Hana. Keep the geek fires burning. <laughs>